Hello and welcome to another NL Full-Time Podcast. It's our second one in a week. It's been a, a busy week um, and uh, we've had a few shocks over this weekend. They start from the top down, um, but I'm just going to, spoiler alert, none of the top five won on Saturday. Joining us this week, as ever, is Dickie Wharton. Good evening, Rob. And uh, our occasional regular, Tom Lang. Good to see you again, Tom. Hi, Rob. Good to see you all. And our special guest this week, couldn't have been a better week to bring him on, the Aldershot Town Manager, Mark Marsley. Hi there. All good. We want to pick out a couple of clubs for special mention this weekend. Fantastic results. And Pride of Place has got to go to Dorking Wanderers. Um, an outstanding result against Notts County. Uh, backs to the wall at times, by all accounts, but Mark White's side producing miracles, really, given the number of players they've had to use this season, the number of injuries they've had. Uh, one all going into the final minutes against Notts County and uh, an incredible win. So, Mark, you played Notts County in the week. Um, a pretty good first half, opportunities to get ahead. They didn't quite go in, did they? Um, but you said yourself, in possession, one of the best sides in the National League, Notts County. So, to that end, just how good was Dorking Wanderers' 3-1 win against them on Saturday? Yeah, it was obviously a result of the day, a fantastic result for Mark White's team. Um, I was so impressed with Notts County on, on Tuesday evening. Um, and also, obviously, we scout our opposition quite a lot as well. And they are a very, very slick outfit, very well organised, play a great brand of football. And uh, yeah, they probably and Dorking caused them a few problems. Obviously, I think the the drier, slower Astro probably caught Notts County out on a few few occasions. And uh, you know, full credit to, to Dorking. It was obviously a fantastic. And Tom, song. you would have seen Dorking up close and personal a little bit more last season, particularly in the games against Hampton and Richmond. She signed four or five players really only. Um, are you surprised at just how well they've started, particularly given the injury situation that they've had? They're sat eleventh. Um, just a couple of points outside the playoffs. Um, no, no, I'm not. I think um, you know, he, as you say, he only signed uh, three or four players, but that's what we expected from Mark White this summer. Um, you know, he has a methodology; he sticks to it, and he and he doesn't mess with that system. First season is always get up, stick with what you know, bring in a few extra players, and acclimatize, learn the league. You know, he's eleventh; they're sitting eleventh. I don't think they'd want to be much higher than that. I mean, that's ridiculous to say. Everyone always wants to be higher in the league, but. This season is not about targeting playoffs. And then over the next two seasons, that's when they look to kick on. And they're doing brilliantly. And I think, you know, James McShane is a perfect example of what Dorking do well. You know, this is a guy that they signed from Molesy in 2016. Before that, he was at Walton Hersham, Walton Casuals, Molesy, Chipstead, Staines. He's he's played Surrey non-league all his life. Um, and he's been with, with Dorking for six seasons, consistently scored at every level they've been at. Um, and now, you know, we're what, eight games into the National League season. He's the second top scorer in the league and he's averaging a goal a game um, and just shows exactly that he's not just a good manager, he clearly is a good coach as well or has good coaches around him at least because they're developing players they've had with them since the Isthmian League. Yeah, fantastic. The way that that, that, that Dorkin have managed to continue to pick up results despite um, losing to really key players last season and this is, is outstanding. So well done to Mark White and his men. Um, almost taking top top honours. Um, Aldershot Town. Um, every week, Mark, I moan on this podcast that we're kind of left till the end, you know, the, 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 the what might have been, you know. Uh, it's been a season so far this season, and it's a frustration and 
you know, it, it, nobody, everybody hates it when you talk about luck in football, but it seems to me that's been the biggest ingredient missing for all the shot. I keep telling the pod guys and the listeners that we're a better side than our league position suggests. And on Saturday, Mark, in front of the BT cameras, um, you actually gave some evidence to that effect, didn't you? You, you got the job done. Um, 5-1 against Halifax. Just just tell us, um, you know, sort of reflecting back on that 24 hours later, how you felt, how you feel about that? No, I was, I was really pleased. Pressure starts to build when you don't get the, the, the sort of the points on the board. Um, but we still, you know, we could see that the ingredients were there. We could see that we were on the right track. And like you said, that that last little bit, I wouldn't so much say as luck, it probably starts turning into confidence as well. And um, I keep talking about these feel-good moments that you need in a game to really build that confidence and that be- and keep that belief going. And um, we got that yesterday. We got that at Barnet where, you know, that feeling of the ball hitting the net and your crowd cheering. I mean, th- those small little moments really breed confidence and I think that's the missing part that we've we've had and look we we're a brand new we're a brand new group we're a brand new team and um it's always going to take a bit of time for us to gel and and as a manager you want that that confidence to breed straight away because you want the new players to keep uh believing in in what we're trying to do and how we're trying to do it and I think the, the boys have never wavered I think um their mentality has probably been tested you know on the cameras at home um, there was there was added a bit of spice and pressure to it, and um, we we stood up and we and we delivered. Now I've watched every minute of every ball kicked by Aldershot Town this season, and uh, I'd say honestly, in front of you, Mark, I think we were very much outplayed by Solihull Moors and and Notts County deserved their win on Tuesday in the end with the way they played uh, second half. Other than that, we've been in an awful lot of games, haven't we? And I put it to you, I don't think Aldershot played any better yesterday in the games this season, but crucially. You stuck away, what, five of eight or nine chances and, and what a difference that makes. Yeah, without, without a doubt. And, and we've created just as many chances in, in those games. And I agree with you, Rob. I think that's a fair, fair assessment. And, um, you know, goal, goals change games. You know, they're the old, the old cliches. And um, yesterday we got them at Barnet. We got them. Um, so... It's, it's that 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 will grow the confidence and and grow the belief. We can't, we certainly can't get complacent. We can't get carried away, but it just keeps that belief going. And, and like I said, the, the boys have always worked hard. And and in them hardships, you you do uh, you know we've been tested. We've been tested. Our resolve's been tested. And um, you know we, we've we've stood strong. And and hopefully we've given ourselves a little bit of a platform to build on now. Hi, Mark. Yeah, uh, you you mentioned there. You said about the the extra spice in in front of playing in front of the TV cameras. Um, do, does it change your approach at all? I mean, uh, the, you know, the the presence of the cameras and and you know the fact that they want people for interviews, etc., before the game uh, and afterwards. Does that sort of um, do you just have to sort of like keep the players' feet on the ground about that a little bit and just get them to try and concentrate on the job in hand? You know, that, that they don't get carried away with the fact that the cameras are there. Yeah, I think it's just definitely keeping the players' players' focus. It's, it's human nature, you know, when the, when the cameras are on and the lights are on, it, it feels like there's more people watching. And we've probably got a very young side. I mean, my both two most experienced players, I've picked up injuries to my captain and my vice captain. So being such a young team, they're probably not as used to being in front of the cameras um, as some of the more experienced players. So um, it's about just making them focus on their roles and responsibility, you know, focusing on things that they can actually control on the day and, and delivering their performance the best, the best they can. And, um, 
yeah, I think that that that's that's the main bit for for us. And um, I think I think the the introduction of Tom Whelan that was a good signing for us. Having lost Joe Partington and Josh McCoy, as I said earlier, as our captain and vice captain, those experienced heads are really there to help on evenings like that, on tough times during the games. Um, they you know they can manage the emotions of the game better. And pass that experience on onto the players as well. We move quickly. We managed to get Tom Whelan in, who's been around the block a few more times. And I thought his influence yesterday in his first game. You know, he only trained on Friday. I thought he had a huge influence on us as well. Nice one, Tom. You got a question for Mark as well. So one of the things that I, th- I think has been really nice about Old Shot this season is you're scoring a lot more goals. Um, I see there's only six teams in the league that have scored more. You you've got about a third of last season's tally already. Was that a conscious decision to sort of try and change the playing style or is it just a case of, you know, having been able to pick up the players you wanted, having had a full summer transfer window? Yeah, I think a bit of both. We definitely wanted to address the balance in the squad. Last year, we were very defender heavy. Um, You know, this is a very high demanding league and we work with the resources the, the best we can and we've tried to be recruit to be exciting and, and, and attacking. Uh, we want to entertain. We want to score goals. Uh, and the, um, you know, scored more goals or are on the way of scoring more goals than, than we did last year. And that's, that's definitely the remit is to try and be more attacking. It's the first time I've probably been able to put my real stamp on, on the team. And uh, it's been a wholesale change. We, you know, we wanted to freshen it up. Um, I think it's, for almost like 14 in, 14 out. Um, so we are a brand, brand new team. I think two players started yesterday, which started the last game of the season. So um, we're learning about ourselves more each day and every game. And we're, we're, we're certainly the remit is to tr- try and be more attacking and, and, and put, put on a, a good show and particularly try and improve our, our home form. Um, and we're a team of young, young players that we just want to work, you know, we love working with, trying to improve. And we, We've got to try and, um, you know, we've got to be self-made. We're, we're not really buying the finished article players. We're finding players with the potential to get better and, and grow. Um, before we let Mark go, and I mean, you, you do need to get off, Mark. Um, Dickie, one of the hot talking points in the National League, around the National League at the minute, there was a statement out on Saturday about streaming. It seems to be dividing opinion. Tell the listeners a little bit more about what has been announced. And, um, and I think you might have had a question for Mark on that as well. Yeah, I mean, what's been announced basically is um, I, I think there's some a feeling that this has perhaps been prompted by um, Ryan Mulders from Wrexham, although I think the league are very keen to say that the discussions have been ongoing about this for some time. And perhaps he's just sort of like pushed it along a little bit, but but I don't think he, he instigated it. Um, and yeah, they're, but basically they're talking about being able to, to, to stream matches Outside um, of the window on a Saturday, that I think it's two forty-five to five fifteen in the afternoon, so it would have to be games played outside of that. Um, and it seems that um, there's an income sharing model in that as well, so that it doesn't benefit purely the, the bigger sides who would have more subscribers. So I think there's a lot of meat to be put onto the, the bone of that yet, but certainly. Um, that's the national league sort of like the direction they seem to want to take and it's very much in hand with the sponsors and with bt sport i know it's probably one more for the sort of like at, at board level at your football club but do you have a view on it at all about about streaming games yeah well, listen it's, it's difficult for me to say in that department but i know for a fact that we're a self-sufficient football club and we depend on getting fans in the ground you know our whole club is run on that 
Um, so, you know, there has to be, you know, if, if we were streaming it, would that mean more people would stay away and watch it on the screens? Or if you had a, a proportion share, would that mean that, obviously, obviously, I know we're talking probably about Wrexham might have a big American contingent now that, you know, if we could get in on the back of that and, and, and make some extra funds on that. I think it's whatever makes most business sense to football clubs, you know, and I'd always look after our football club first is that, you know, we're we're self-sufficient. We need to stay that way. We can't get ourselves... And it's all about can we get as many fans engaged, as many fans in the ground or as many fans subscribing to, to something which will, will help us reinvest in, in the football club. So... Um, it's difficult without knowing all the ins and outs of it, but we're certainly going down that digital age now and convenience and things like that. But I still feel you can't beat getting into the stadium and watching it for real. There's just no other, no, you know, that is football. That is the art, the feeling. You, you know, we watch a hell of a lot of football in our analysis and stuff like that, but you need to go in and, and see it, smell it, feel it. And um, you just can't beat that that Saturday feeling. You know, when you come into the ground and you see a dad walking along with his son or someone in the club shop or someone buying a burger. And it's just, it's our heritage. It's, it's just, it's so much deeper than uh, screening it, watching it on a computer. It's just, that's, that's not, that's for an- analysts. That's for managers like me who can't always get up and down the country to watch games and, and our staff. It's, it's a convenience thing. It's not, not a real football, the, the atmosphere, the feeling and, and, and the whole emotion of the day. It's just, you just can't. You just. You, you just can't. Uh, you know. You can't put. A, you can't put a price on that. Great stuff. And and I want to ask Tommy's thoughts on that in a minute. But have a great week. Uh, good to see you with a smile on your face. Um, have a good week, and I'll see you up at Altrincham. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Thanks, gents. Tom, uh, you're involved with Hampton and Richmond in the National League South. Um, what's the talk at your club about the streaming, and 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 I guess your own personal opinion. Um, so I think the first thing I say is that for us in in National League South, and I'm sure Dicky, it would be the same for you. The much bigger issue is highlights. I think that's something that we'd like to see addressed sooner. Um, but on the streaming thing itself, um, it's not something that I've really talked about at the club a huge amount. But my personal view is very similar to Mark's. I think if there's a way that it can be done that no clubs lose out, it's important that those clubs who they who would otherwise be picking up that revenue don't lose out. Um, I think. You know, Atkinson Stanley's chairman is very vocal on the issue, isn't he? And as is the case now, where the home revenue get home club gets the ticket revenue, the home club should get streaming revenue, whatever that is. Um, you know, there are models where it could work, but realistically, are that is that what the likes of Wrexham are pushing for? Uh, probably not, because they see a way of of monetizing their their new following in America. Um, mm. It would be great if we can have more people watching National League football. You know, anything that can expose it to more people who can see the level of quality, who can see you know, what a good division this is to watch. And, you know, there's a lot of predictability and and sort of the, the mystique has been lost from a lot of the football up, up the tiers. If we can show people how good the National League is, how competitive it is, um, how a team such as Notts County, who swept all before them up until today with a player who scored 307 goals in his first seven matches, um, and then <laughs> they can go away to Dorking Wanderers, who were a village team playing Sunday League football and lose 3-1, I think. That's the that's what's special about this division. If we can find a way to, to broadcast that to more people whilst protecting the match day revenue, I think that it's got to be a positive thing. Yeah, good stuff. The only thing I want to add is, and 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 Mark's covered the kind of the business angle on it. 
I know from doing um, online radio, com- online commentary on, on Aldershot for five seasons now, there's a lot of um, overseas listeners that regularly interact, you know, out in Thailand and the Philippines and America and Germany and everything like that. You know, get that. That gives them the link back to their club. They would, they would get up in the middle of the night to listen to a commentary. Or, and, and if they got the opportunity to watch a match, it would be fantastic for them. So that's a point. But I think you've got to put it all in the in the mix together. Um, so I, think- I wanted to let Mark go, but one thing we didn't really cover, and I don't think it was fair to do while Mark was with us, the flip side of, of, of the Aldershot 5 Halifax 1 game, Dickie, just, just coming to you, it's, it was a difficult start for Chris Millington, wasn't it? Trying to pick up the reins from Pete Wilde. Um, they steadied the ship, didn't they? Seven points out of the last nine. Um, but that defeat in front of the BT Sport cameras uh, 5-1 to an Aldershot side that had been struggling prior to that. It's not going to have gone down well at the Shea, has it? No, it's not. It's not going to give um, anybody confidence. You know, a, a, a thumping like that is is something um, that takes a little while to get over. And I hate to say it, particularly against the side that, that Halifax would feel at this moment in time. I mean, if you look at the, the difference in points, I mean, that that win actually took Aldershot above Halifax. So you weren't talking about, you know, getting a pasting 5-1 at Wrexham or something like that. You would, you would, you would, it was against a side, probably, that they would more have fancied their chances of getting something. Um, yeah, it is difficult times for them. I mean, uh, we've spoken about the, you know, the influx of players who, who, um, st- who left Stockport County. I know Sam Minihan was in the side yesterday and Jordan Keane was in the side yesterday. Um, but doesn't really sort of, as, as they haven't brought that Stockport County influence, winning mentality, whatever across with them. I mean, Halifax were a playoff side last year, you know, so it shouldn't have taken that much of a knock. But, you know, they're, they're, the, the the number of players that have gone out of the door there and the, and the turnover is, seems to be the thing, I would think. Um, and it's just a very unforgiving league. It's a really, you know, having to do rebuilds mid-season in this league or even in the North and South, any kind of league is just really, really difficult. Um, and if you don't get your recruitment right in the summer, you can struggle and maybe that's where Halifax are. It's, it's really indicative of, of what players clubs have lost over the summer as to where the players have gone. And you look at that list of outgoings, you don't even look, need to look at the names of the players, but they're going to, to Cheltenham, Barrow, Grimsby, Barrow, Lincoln, Grimsby's. If you're losing players who are going up to League One and League Two exclusively, your squad's getting weaker. Good point, Tom. Um, just wrapping that one up then, after the after the game, I had a, a, a quick uh, catch-up with uh, Aldershot Town centre-back and uh, a brace-scoring uh, defender on the day, Tyler Cordner. Tyler, you've been man of the match in the last two home games. Uh, many people thought you were man of the match today. Tom Whelan stole it, but you won't mind that because you stole it and got two goals, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, obviously I got two goals today, which I'm obviously happy about. Um, I wish it could have come sooner, to be fair, but obviously... To get two in one game is obviously not heard of very much for a defender. Obviously, I'm, I'm obviously buzzing with that. But most importantly, we've got three points and, you know, we've got our attacking players on the score sheet. And obviously, Tom Whelan, like you said, come in today. Um, first game of us. We, we know the quality he has. Like, obviously, I've played against him quite a lot and um, he's a quality player and he thoroughly deserved man of the match today. Like, he was really good. Um, so, you know, I'm not very much annoyed about that one. <laughs> No, seriously though, the second goal, I think it was the better of the two headed. The first one pretty straightforward, wasn't it? But the second one, 
you really got across your man well and powered it in. And it was key, really, wasn't it? Because Aldershot have, on the rare occasions you've taken the lead this season, very often given the bo- a goal away within 10 minutes. You did that again today, but that goal, crucially before mm-hmm. half-time, gave you that high going into the break. Yeah, definitely. Obviously, um, both headers were good. Obviously, the first one was just... I just got away from my man and um, powered it in. And the second one just like sort of glanced it across. Um, and like you said, yeah, we conceded a goal. But to be fair, like I've... I obviously looked back on it already on BT Sports straight away at the goal because obviously I'm annoyed because I didn't get a clean sheet. But um, it's a foul on Giles, 100%. No, he's, you know what I mean? The, the, the players impeded him from jumping. Um, I, I don't know what anyone else would say. Obviously, the Halifax fans would say different. You know, mm. the, mate, the mate jumped early and he's just... He's he stood up on on Giles' shoulders, so um, I look at that. And I think that's a foul, you know. And that hurts, doesn't it, as a yeah, defender? Because 100%. you got the win today, you got the two goals, but yeah. you so desperately want that first clean sheet. Yeah, that's what I mean. I'm I'm more annoyed about that. And to be fair, like apart from my two goals, I wasn't overly great today, especially on the ball, but um, which I normally am. Um, but yeah, that, that was disappointing because Giles was excellent again, and he's a he's a real key to our back four. His experience, um, he's he's the oldest one at the back, at the back line. Um, you know, he's obviously he's gone down with a little bit of an injury today. Hopefully, it's fine. But he, he was he was very good today, and it's 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 hard because I felt I felt for him because it's definitely a foul on him, hundred percent foul on mm. him. Should never have been given. And apart from that, we we wasn't we wasn't threatened at all uh, by Halifax. Really, yeah, they had a bit of possession, but never really threatened Luca too much. That was Tyler Cordner, and with BT Sport in town, uh, I managed to catch up with uh, one of their merry uh, crew as well, Becky Ives, who was uh, doing the touchline reporting and the manager interviews on the day here's my chat with Becky Ives an interesting stint watching um, Aldershot and Halifax this afternoon but uh, you've had a busy old week as well but you're still keeping it real and still covering plenty of National League football I love the National League I love the National League it's one of my favourite leagues to come and watch and yeah look pleasantly surprised today I have to say and I mean that with no disrespect um, at all this is the first time I've actually managed to watch Aldershot this season yeah. Um, I've heard about the performances and you've mm. not been quite getting the results. But to come here today, brilliant goals. I thought the play mm. was great. I felt there was confidence running through the side. And not too much really between the two sides. No. But Just clinical finishing on the day. And he took the chances. And that's yeah. what it's all about. Absolutely. And what have you made of the National League so far this season? I mean, that's just another example, isn't it, of how anybody, even in the bottom echelons, the bottom four on their day, can, can take out another team anywhere in the league. Yeah, and that's why we love it. Because you're never sure what's going to happen. I mean, I think some of the results this afternoon, some of the sort of top teams that you're expecting to be ahead were behind. And I think Knots were losing at Dorking at one point. I haven't actually seen that final score, I have to admit, right now. Mm. I was concentrating on this game so I can confirm Dorking won that 3-1 in the end two goals 90 plus there we go you see just stuff like that you think you know where you're going and then bam this is why it's exciting but no I think the league this season again it's growing more investment you know teams at the top are tighter but I think the gap between the top and the bottom is also closing this season I don't think there's a a gaping gap Mm. like there was last season at all and uh, regular listeners to the podcast will know Becky's been on ooh, maybe three times now, I would think. We'll get you on again at some point this season. It's probably a little bit early for predictions. You're, you're a bit of a... Um, a bit of an expert at doing that in, in terms of... <laughs> I got lucky. It was you, a beginner's you, luck. You, you she got a bit of a beginner's luck. Listen. Yeah. No, she was fantastic. But um, it does look as if there's maybe three or four teams at the top end that are probably going to be the strongest, yeah, doesn't I it? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be Wrexham, Chesterfield, Notts County, Never Count Out, Solihull Moors, 
Um, so yeah, those are the teams that are going to be battling. And then I always think, what, 10 games in, it's mm. going to be the teams somewhere... 10th, 11th in the table now they're going to string together results they'll be up there as well um, I mean it's exciting because only two are going to go up as and we that, know which is also yeah. a, you know, the, a talking point But and at the other end Becky it's so difficult isn't it for the first time in a few seasons for one reason or another four will go down yeah. it's a big old trap door yeah. it's twice the size of the one going the other yeah. way which has to be sorted out surely at some stage yeah definitely and you know I think I hope is I will rephrase that and say I hope there are discussions taking place about that but yeah look the four teams at the bottom it's unfortunate because it's weird I feel like Aldershot playing like that how Mm. can you possibly be anywhere near the bottom Mm. and dropping I mean not that you are going to drop down but how can Mm. you possibly be in a scrap at the end of the season like that it just seems so unfair and so unjust and yeah I think the four teams at the bottom super close I don't think four teams should go down. I've never been one sit on the fence. <laughs> I'll tell you my opinion. Fair enough. I don't, it's always a lot harder, isn't it, to sort of pluck out teams to pick out all oh, their rubbish. There's nobody there right now that that's clear that is obviously going to go. I mean, obviously Dover last season had the minus, big minus points deduction mm. and, and, they never, and they took a long time, didn't they, to get those first points on the board. So they kind of stood out. And, and, well, and I think it's unfortunate for the teams that have come down, like Scunthorpe, Oldham. You know, I know it's John Sheridan's last game today I think it's hard for those teams because they have fallen out of the league but also they're on that mentality that they haven't won a game in a while and they're not on a positive trajectory coming into this league Mm. and I think that does make a difference with the mentality of where you start and then obviously when it hasn't gone quite as well at the beginning when you're kind of thinking well you're in the National League I think they encounter the beast that is the National League and think oh my word reality yeah definitely definitely Mm. so I think those league teams that have dropped down struggle absolutely they do tend to in the first couple of seasons thanks for finding a couple of minutes in your no, busy of course, day of course. Uh, come join Always. us on the podcast soon I will do. that was becky ives and, and i have to say whatever anybody thought of them at the beginning i think bt sport have been superb uh, with the coverage of the national league which i think gets better coverage than league one and league two uh, long may it continue uh, good luck to the uh, to the bt sport crew have also been really really supportive of this podcast as well um, now, taking a look at the other results in the National League. Um, now, we've mentioned, obviously, Notts County. They're the only one that lost, actually. The other four all drew. We'll just try and wrap them up together as a one and, and chaps come in and make points as you, as you wish. I think the one with the most goals was Yeovil against Chesterfield. Um, Jimmy Torre got Yeovil ahead in that one before Jamie Grimes equalised. Um, and then Josh Daunton put Yeovil ahead in the uh, 80th minute, and they thought they might just get the scalp of Chesterfield. In the 87th minute, along came that man that's got our podcast into a lot of trouble, Dickie. Have you, um, have you, have you got your head around pronouncing his name yet? Um, and uh, we ought to give him some credit, didn't we? I, I wondered if you were going to ask me that one, because I was, I was looking down it before we came to that. It's, I am struggling a bit with it, so I'm going to, but I'll take a go. Jezerun Ushegbalum. Very good. Say it very quickly. I like that. Just say it really quickly. <laughs> National, um, League, National League South and that stadium announces are an absolute treat with some of the names. Rory <laughs> Donaldson, our Scottish left back, was Rory Donaldson yesterday. 
You do get some beauties. I have to say, quite often get approached at games by the PA announcers. They come and check and they're thorough. And others, they just crack on and don't seem to care, do they? So uh, um, looking at those other teams in the top five, Solihull Moors were held at home to Barnet, who had a difficult result in the week at home to Dorgan. Uh, but they got a good start. Ryan de Havilland put them ahead. Uh, Andrew Dallas levelled from the spot um, for Moors. But uh, that was the end of the, the scoring. Uh, Dale Gorman did have... Um, an 82nd minute penalty opportunity to win it for Barnet, but uh, uh, he missed. And in the uh, top five that drew Gate uh, Boreham Wood, they drew one all at uh, Gateshead. Who, uh, you know, in it's a strange one. They seem to have started okay at this level, but they are in the bottom four, and I think that's because they have drawn um, too many games. Never underestimate a point on your travels for Boreham Wood. They still sit in that top five. And the other game, I don't know if either of you guys have, have, have caught the highlights or any more about it. What I do know is that Southend and Wrexham drew nil-nil. Like a good point for Southend. But apparently that's not the case. They're really, really hurting. That Of all people, ironically, um, the striker that they signed from Wrexham scored a, apparently a, a good goal that should have been allowed. I haven't seen it. Have either of you chaps? Jake have, Hyde, I'm talking about. I have seen it. Yeah, I've seen it. I think it was footage shot from somebody on their phone from behind the goal. Um, and I, I think the feeling was that the goal had been ruled out for offside and they were trying to point out that Hyde appeared to be onside. I think what's more, um, it got picked up on as perhaps being the actual offence that, that it was ruled out for was it looked like there was a handling offence in the build-up to the goal by a South End player, not by Hyde, but it did look as if it came off a player's hand. And there is that rule now that whether it's accidental or on purpose in the build-up to a goal, if it strikes an opposing or an attacking player on the hand and is seen to sort of like be part of um, the goal, as it were, then it rules it out. So I think it was more the handball than the offside, but uh, we haven't got that clarity. But yeah, it's um, it is some irony that it was Hyde really having been you know released by Wrexham um, to go to Southend. It would have been a, a fantastic story. So what does that all leave us? It leaves Chesterfield still top of the league on twenty one points, Wrexham second on twenty, and then Solihull Moors, Notts County, and Borehamwood are on eighteen points each. Uh, Bromley have joined them in the top seven, actually, after a, a comfortable 3-0 to Maidstone. And, uh, you know, Bromley have crept up there a little bit under the radar um, after perhaps not the most prolific start. And Wealdstone, of course, who started like a house on fire. Um, well, they've only lost the one game all season, but they've got a bit of a habit of drawing at the minute and they could only draw one all at home to Torquay. I think the next game we really do have to cover is Oldham against Eastleigh. And something very unusual happened in this game. Something that I can only think of half a dozen examples of when uh, one more game in charge. And that was the scenario for Oldham's uh, John Sheridan. Uh, And during the week, um, our usual host, Luke Edwards, caught up with Dave Bradley, um, who who does an Oldham podcast, on just how everything was being viewed at Oldham uh, prior to the game against Eastleigh. It's been an emotional week in a a way, even though it's widely been accepted that it probably is the right decision yeah definitely we, we discussed it on our uh, on our podcast the boundary park alert system on the uh latics football fawning uh at OFC fawning um and it was as you look at the record that he's had he's played 29 won seven drew seven lost 15 
24% win ratio, but this season hasn't gone well. And I think the culture has been transferred from a relegated team into trying to win promotion. The culture's just not right because I think the confidence is severely lacking from the management team. Um, and the tactics have been nigh on terrible, I think. <laughs> it's fair to say. Oh, yeah, lack of knowledge, lack of any energy is just a real concern for a lot of fans. The writing has been on the on the on the wall for the for the last few games or so for John. And just watching him against Walking when he when he interviewed after the game, he looked like um he looked like a man in a marriage, uh, knowing it was over, but he had to, you know, leave the lads from a great holiday going back to his uh, his wife. He, he just looked broken, do you know what I mean? He did, and I felt so sorry for him. Yeah, it's been, it's been interesting reading the forums and a lot of fans have said even the games that you've won, you've not played well in. No, but he, he adopted a 4-3-3 against Dorking and Aldershot uh, where we scraped through uh, 3-0 against Dorking. Dorking came back and that we were hanging on for day of life towards the end. Um, Aldershot, we pinned them in and we played quite well. However, bringing on Harry, Harry Vaughan in the last 10 minutes, two or three players sort of marked him out of the game, which gave Charlie Cooper the chance to pass a, a ball to Hallam Hope to score in the 95th minute. And if it wasn't for a drawn stopping the game for about five minutes, it would have been ended in a, in a, a stalemate of one all. It's just been very, very poor. Um, and Sheridan's still trying to play this 3-5-2 with a team who he's openly admitted can't play a 3-5-2 is baffling. You know, when I, when your manager comes out and says they can't play a 3-5-2, but the professionals and I expect them to play it, the alarm bells must have been going off for the board. Mm. Um, in fairness, though, injuries have sort of crippled him a little bit. Um, Hogan's out for three months. Hope, obviously, uh, due to factors outside the football, has, has been injured. Lewis Mania has not made an appearance. Chris Porter is 38. And he can't get through 60 minutes, never mind uh, trying to have a go at playing for a season. Angle's injured. Gardner's out of a groin strain. McGay is in and out. And Will Sutton's out. So that's eight players that are out, which Sheridan would have been severely relying on. So he hasn't, it's not just down to um, poor performances. He, he, he hasn't had his full strength squad. So. But some fans, again, would argue, why would you sign a 38-year-old Porter who is a veteran striker? You know, is that the right, is that the right transfer for the National League? Some, say, some, some would say no. Some would say yes. Uh, obviously, Sheridan had a game plan and it's a results-based business and it's not worked out, has it? So um, it's just really sad, though, because Sheridan is a club legend and he's a great guy. He has time for the fans. He has time for the media, especially us. Uh, he always gives you a bit of good value, even when they've lost. Um, he embodies what Oldham is about as a person, as a player, as a coach. He's been back more times to save us. And I'm really glad that the club has let him go in this way. And he stepped aside. It shows great dignity. You know, for the last four years, we've had the Lemsigams knee-jerk reaction, sacking managers via text messages, via email, even before the, the managers have found out. So you've got to credit Frank Rothwell and the family and also Darren Royal for doing this in the right way. As you say, it's very rare that a manager resigns and then gets the next game to kind of say his goodbyes. But that's what's happening against 
Eastleigh on Saturday. But I suppose business is business and he, he's got to go out and get a result. If you're 2 0 down after 10 minutes, will the kind of sentiments be washed away in a way? I hope we get a win. Um, but with the injuries, as I've just explained, and the challenges and coming off a 3 0 defeat or walking away, you would hope the fans get right behind him. And I just hope, pray he can get that win. Not, not for the position, but for John as himself. And hopefully, whoever comes in will have that bounce back for the players getting that um, that victory because the fans deserve it as well because, you know, Chesterfield was the last home game and they scored within 14 seconds. So, <laughs> it's it, I just hope that you can go out on a high. I think everybody in Oldham, and I think um, football fans in general will will want that for someone like John Sheridan because he is... He may turn up again, but I think this is his, his last managerial job or coaching role. And I think he, the word is he's going to retire. So I really, really hope we go out on a high. I went on your podcast at the start of the season and uh, like I warned about the um, the National League. You were quite bullish. I know your host was like, well, you know, I know it's going to be hard. You were quite bullish. But how, how have you found it? Has the standard surprised you? Yes, but the hangover from the EFL is the one thing that I was really surprised about being relegated. I didn't think with the amount of new signings that we got, it would have carried on because we haven't drastically changed the squad massively other than two or three players. But the standard uh, is very high. Looking at Wheelston, how they outplayed us with a 46-pass move and scored a fantastic goal, I was shell-shocked by it, really. Um, However, I think there are four or five good teams in there being Chesterfield, Wrexham, Notts County, Solihull, Boreham Wood. You know, no disrespect to York, they're seventh and we played them on bank holiday and they were absolutely rubbish. You know, we did draw one all with them, but it's not a great league. And I think that if we have the time to salvage it now, and that's why he's left, we will have a chance depending on the management uh, structure that we get in. But again, it's not to be underestimated, the league. And uh, it, it has opened my eyes in some ways, but it isn't as difficult as people make out sometimes. You know, Wrexham, I think they've just thrown money at the problem. We're trying to build in a different way. South Ember in trouble when they came down. Notts County tried throwing money at it. Then they went through a, a transitional phase. Um, Stockport got very lucky with it. The right managerial change at the time last season, and they got a known manager in Dave Chandler to take them up. So I don't think it's impossible and I don't want Oldham fans to start getting into that mentality where it is a really difficult league to get out of. It's really difficult. You know, the championship is a difficult league to get out of. You know what I mean? That is the hardest mm-hmm. league to get out of. And everyone comparing the National League to the championship, I, I don't think, uh, in my opinion, necessarily correct. I think there is, if you sign the right players and get the decent, get the right quality, I think you can get out of there rather comprehensively. Um, like you know, like your Lutons did and people like that, and Bristol Rovers at the time back in the day. But I know that football has moved on. Um, but I am surprised at the likes of Dorking and Wheelston, the two part-time teams who played us off the park. <laughs> I will say that. Um, but it, nothing's impossible, and I've got uh, I have got faith in the board, um, and I've got faith in Oldham to try and get to the playoffs this season. That was Dave Bradley talking to our very own Luke Edwards. And what, a, what you know, what a setup there was for that game um, from Oldham's point of view, and it was a bit of a ding dong game as well. And it had the ending, didn't it? That John Sheridan would have wished for that Oldham 
finish four. Uh, and it was it was a cracking game. It ended uh, Oldham three, Eastleigh two. Any more details around that, Dickie? Um, only really that the, the the winning goal in the game was scored by Charlie Wellens, who is the uh, son of Richie Wellens, who's now the manager or the the head coach of Leighton Orient Football Club. Um, I saw the name this morning and thought they uh, almost bound to be a family connection there, and and there there was yeah. I mean it, it it is to go out on a high for John Sheridan. Um, you know the Oldham fans do have a lot of love for him. Um, I think. Possibly, and I was only thinking earlier on, the fact that Oldham and Scunthorpe, the two relegated sides, have already changed their managers or are looking to change their managers early in the in the campaign is, you know, perhaps a, a suggestion that they're, they're finding things not quite as they expected at this level and need to change. Obviously, the, the regime change at Oldham as well may well have a... Um, a, a say in that as well um yeah there were goals in that game as well for luke burgess he put oldham ahead danny whitehall then uh, put easily ahead with two goals in the space of 10 minutes but um mike fondup tallam uh, a name that we've mentioned so many times on this podcast he pops up here he pops up there he never seems to um completely disappear off the radar he got the oldham equalizer and then yeah charlie wellens with an 88th minute winner i imagine that the um that the final whistle must have been quite a release of emotion there yesterday at Boundary Park. Absolutely, yeah, and that leaves Old and Bank 14th on 11 points, five points off the playoffs, three points ahead of the relegation positions. Uh, we wish John Sheridan and Oldham Athletic all the best. Uh, the other side that came down from the Football League with them last season continued to struggle. They did get themselves a point in a one-all draw against York on Saturday. Um, and we talked about this in the week, didn't we? Um, relief, uh, I'm sure, for uh, Daryl McMahon at uh, Dagenham and Redbridge. They had a couple of wretched results, losing five at home to Notts County and then conceding four at Wrexham. But uh, they had just what they wanted, really, a home game against currently struggling Altrincham uh, and got the job done four goals to one. Uh, Altrincham find themselves with no wins in the last... Uh, well, no wins this season, actually. Five draws and four defeats now. They find themselves rock bottom of the National League level with Scunthorpe. And we'll come on to Altrincham in a minute, Dickie. Um, but Tom, I want to ask you, you weren't with us in the week, but we were saying Daryl McMahon, he desperately, desperately needed that win yesterday, didn't he? Yeah, absolutely. I think Dagenham will have been expecting quite a lot more from the, the opening uh, sort of few weeks of this season, a few months of the season we are at now, aren't they? That's only their third win in their last eight games. So really important uh, three points to pick up. Really important to pick it up with with a decent win as well. Um, you know, scoring a fair few goals. That's a third of their season tally in one match. Um, I think I've always thought with Dagenham, um, as I did with uh, when he was at Hampton as well, when Mario Valletta plays well, uh, they play well. Um, he's such a sort of, he's such a good player in that sort of a number 10 position and a really effective footballer. Um, but sometimes, you know, when you are sort of down on down in your luck a little bit, you need, you just need the visit of a team that's worse than you. Um, and, mm. and there's an element of that in yesterday's result, I think. Fair enough. And for Altrincham, well, Woking found it really difficult last season, didn't they? Uh, you know, with that transition to full time. Um, Altrincham have done it with, you know, the same manager, He's had a full say in who went out, who come in. I'm sure there'd have been a couple of good, really good quality part-time players that that um, Phil Parkinson had to let go because they couldn't fit the full-time model. 
Um, but it just hasn't been the start that they wanted, Dickie, has it? I'll get a look at them up close and personal, uh, along with uh, Chris, Pat, uh, Chris Pratt on uh, Saturday. We'll both be at that Alteringham against Aldershot game. But um, what do you make of it, Alteringham? It's, it's just not firing, is it? No, it's not working for them at the moment. Um, I had a look down uh, their lineup for that game yesterday, and there's, I mean, there's a number of names in there. Most of the names in there are familiar, but they're not familiar because they're necessarily they've been with Altrincham for a long time. They've had an influx of new faces over the summer. I think the the core, um, uh, almost the spine of that team, and the experienced players. Uh, Tom Pearce and Josh Hancock, who were the forwards. Uh, yeah, Jake Moulton, midfield. Tony Thompson, the goalkeeper. They've all gone because they they weren't going to make the transition to full time football, um, probably because of you know the age that they're at. But but you know that, that's a vast amount of experience to lose. Um, win this this season, altering them only one clean sheet um, in all of the games they've played so far, um, and I think they've only they're not even picking up that it's it's the points they've picked up them in draws, so you know they're not even picking up the occasional win at home, which would be a big boost as well. So it's got to be a concern for Phil Parkinson. But, you know, Altrincham have had this plan and this move to full-time mapped out for a little while now. This wasn't done on a whim over the summer. I think Phil Parkinson himself actually going full-time as the manager was the first step towards that one. So, you know, I I think and I, I, I do hope that they will be patient with him, but you know, obviously, it, part of the plan would not be slipping back out of this out of this division. You have to applaud their ambition to want to make that step. Um, but just wrapping up the National League on Saturday, apologies, uh, Maidenhead fans, for for leaving you till last. But Dev did it again. Uh, Maidenhead United beat Woking one nil, meaning that Darren Sahl has now been six times to York Road and never ever got a win yet. So, good win in the week for Woking. Uh, defeat for them on Saturday. That leaves them 10th and Maidenhead sit uh, 16th. Okay, the National League North and South took a break on Saturday and that's because the FA Cup has reached the second qualifying round already. Of course, it kicked off when the football season kicked off in terms of the extra preliminary rounds. Um, Of course, there was a number of ties on Saturday, but we're going to focus on those involving the National League uh, North and South clubs. And we're going to start in the South with yourself, Tom. And uh, you've uh, had a little look to see where the biggest shocks and most important results were yesterday. Yeah, and there's been a few. Um, There's quite a few National League South sides that have fallen by the wayside and, and have slipped on the sort of uh the the typical banana skins you get at this round um i know as i got on the coach with the uh the players and staff and some of the fans to head down to bognor regis yesterday and there was definitely a feeling that that could be one for hampton but as we'll cover later it ended up not being one um but i think the place to start really is at prince's park where um dartford went down 2-1 at home to local kent uh well rivals is a strong word for a team two leagues (laughs) below but um beckenham town um, Beckenham Town promoted last season um, from the Isthmian League. Uh, correction, promoted last season from the Southern Counties East Football League. I believe it's very called. good, Tom. Very good. It's yeah. title. Um, but they've got some 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 well recognisable names in there in their squad. Um, they've got the likes of uh, Danny Waldron, uh, Leo Louis Theophanus. They've both scored goals at a higher level. Uh, both played effectively at a higher level. But um, yeah, Charlie Sheringham scored for Dartford, but Harvey Brand and uh, Rob Carter got the goals to put Beckenham through. Now, Beckenham was doing really well. They're, 
They're sitting uh they're sitting uh, I think top of the Isthmian League Southeast after the promotion. They're doing really well in that league. But still for a club like Dartford you'd expect them to be going through and and it's kind of indicative of where we are with Dartford at the moment. They've lost five of their last seven in all competitions. Um it's certainly not the start that, that Dallas will have wanted um over in Kent. So unfortunately a, a cup run's gone as well. So they really do need to start picking things up in the league soon. Um the next kind of shock result I'm going to talk about is um, Tunbridge Angels, who have been going really well in the league, actually. Um, they're a decent side. They're sitting eighth. They just won two in a row. And then they've gone down 4-0 away at step four, Binfield. Um, wow. Again, like Binfield are going well. They're second in the, um, the Eastern League 1 South Central. But a uh, 4-0 win for them. Uh, Dean Marr, Johnny Effegi, Lewis Pegg and Brad Pagliaroli with the goals for Binfield. Um, another side who came up from step five last season as well. Um, so there's clearly some, some decent teams out there who are cantering up through the leagues. And I've been wondering if maybe COVID is a reason for that in terms of there are some very strong sides who who should have been promoted already, consolidated at a league sort of, you know, they kept their players together and said, we'll go one more time, maybe strengthened a little bit. And they just cantered, they're cantering up the leagues now. Um the next one that I'll talk about is uh, Berkhamstead beat Concord, Rain- Concord uh, Rangers 2-0. Ben Wolster and Linton Goss with the goals there. Um, things are not going swimmingly for Concord at the moment. Uh, Berkhamstead are fourth in their step four division, but Concord are currently 20th with seven points. Again, another side who will have been targeting a cup run to try and boost morale there, and now that is out the window for them. Um, and then the two shock results, really, uh, were St Albans, drawing at home to AFC Sudbury of Step 4, and they were lucky to do it as well with a 91st-minute equaliser from George Morrell, cancelling out Namdi Nwachukwu's 83rd-minute opener for Sudbury. Uh, and then Welling, who will have a very picturesque replay under the lights at Fisher, um, where you've got great views of uh, Canary Wharf, all illuminated. Um, they'll play them on, I think, Wednesday night, the replays are now, I think because the draw's on Tuesday because of Obviously, the bank holiday on Monday. Uh, but yeah, Welling drew nil-nil at home to Fisher, um, which is pretty consistent with Welling's start. And I'm just wondering, just uh, while we're on the shocks, and just to give Tom a little break, um, Dickie, um, you got a little bunch of shocks to tell us about in the uh, with the northern sides as well? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I'm sorry to report that one of them um, is AFC Telford United, my own side, probably one of the biggest ones, actually, um, on the day. Uh, they went down... 4-2 at home to Chasetown, who uh, a step four side, so two divisions between them. Um, it was an, a decent start for Telford. Byron Moore gave him the lead, but um, Joey Butlin, a player who actually had spent some time at Hereford and played in the FA Trophy final for Hereford, probably only about 18 months ago. He equalised Jack Langston, then put them ahead on the stroke of half-time. Um, Nate Blissett equalised for Telford, but then the same men, Butlin and Langston, again, both scored their second goal of the game each um, in the space of about 10 minutes around the, the, the two-thirds mark of the game, and Telford just couldn't recover from that point onwards. And yeah, it's another FA Cup exit at the same stage, to a step four side at home, which, um, yeah, that's increased the pressure on Telford manager Paul Carden. Obviously, with only one win in the league so far this season, it's not been the start that anybody at the club wanted. No, absolutely, absolutely not. And, of course, sometimes when you're having a difficult season in the league, the FA Cup can be a nice uh, escape from that, can't it? And uh, if anything, it's just, as you say, cranked up the pressure on Paul Carden. But uh, it was by no means the only shock involving the Northern National League sides on Saturday, was it? 
No, it wasn't. There was actually Telford were one of five sides to go out to lower league opposition. Um, the, the next one I've got on my list was Bradford Park Avenue. They are towards the bottom of the table as Telford are. Um, they went out 2-1 at Ashington of the Northern League. Now, Ashington, famous football um, history. Uh, it's the, the, the town that... Uh, uh, Bobby and Jackie Charlton um, were brought up in, so it does have a famous footballing heritage. Um, and Bly Spartans legend Robbie Dale left uh, the Spartans last season, and he's now an Ashington player. Um, it was an own goal that put Ashington into the lead. The second goal, the scorer of, of that was Ben Harmison. If you were to ask, is he a relative of Steve Harmison, the former Durham and England fast bowler? Yes, he is. He's his brother. Um, he put Ashington 2-0 up. Will Longbottom did get a goal back for Avenue late in the game, but that one finished 2-1. Um, Brackley Town went out. They were defeated 2-0 at home by Worksop Town. Now, Worksop um, are a, a Northern Premier League side um I think, and no, there might actually be a division below, but they are actually, um, they've spent quite a lot of money over the summer. They, they've picked up the likes of Hamza Ben-Sharif, who left uh, Geisley, um, uh, Jay Rollins, who was a Boston United player last season. He's there as well. And yeah, uh, a 2-0 win for Worksop at Brackley. Is it a surprise? Well, yes, it is. You know, Brackley, despite the fact they've not had a fantastic start, had started to pick up points in this division uh, in the uh, the National League North and were climbing the table. So, yes, you have to class it as an upset. Um, Spennymore Town, uh, they were the, the next one on my list. They went out yeah. at Clitheroe by a score of 2-0. That's a, a, also a pretty big shock. I think the... Um, uh, Bernard Morley, the uh, or the the joint manager at Spanymore, um, has basically put it down to them not being able to put the ball in the net at the moment. There, that finding the net is difficult for them. I think Glenn Taylor is going through a little bit of a lean spell, um, but even uh, allowing for the fact that you know they didn't score that two nil away at, at Clitheroe, who are a number of divisions below them, is is a pretty poor result for Spanymore. Um, the last one, I have to say. Maybe a little bit less of a surprise in that it was Lamington going out at home to Nuneaton by a score of one goal to nil. Uh, Tyrell Waite was on the mark for Nuneaton, who have a number of former Lamington players in their side. Now, Lamington are going well in the National League North, so they're in the playoff places at the moment. They've had a good start, but Nuneaton are top of the Southern Premier Central, the division below. So they were full of confidence as well. And they went to uh, Lamington and came away with a one nil win. So by my reckoning, we're almost in double figures in terms of National League North and South clubs uh, departing the cup already. And of course, a few more involved in replays. Tom, switching back to yourself and, and the Southern-based uh, teams, uh, what's your next little roundup uh, going to cover? Yeah, so we've got a couple more teams that will go to the replays, as you say. Um, there's a couple more National League South teams who have fallen by the wayside because they drew what, in my opinion, is always the worst draw in a cup run, which is a same division side. You don't even get to see somewhere different. There's no kudos if you beat them and there's no, you know, there's no sort of like, oh, well, you know, at least they were three leagues higher if you lose as well. So um, I'll leave Hungford Gloucester till last. I'll let, let Dickie pick that one up as the National League North side took the spoils in, there, in that North, uh, North-South All-Stars game. Um, we've got Taunton. Uh, Taunton won one nil against the lowest team who were left uh, in the league in the southern half of the draw, Laverstock and Ford, who are 16th in Step Five in the Wessex League. Taunton won one nil with a, a Ross Stern fifth minute winner. Um, but the fact that their keeper Jack Bycroft ended up being man of the match suggests that Taunton may well have been holding on to that lead for the majority of the, the remaining 85 minutes. 
Um, a big win for Weymouth as well. They really needed it. Um, obviously, they've got their new manager in, Bobby Wilkinson. Um, they've had a horrible start to the season. Uh, there's talk that the club's struggling financially as well. So a cup run will be great for morale, but also for the coffers. Um, and definitely when when we looked at the league, at that draw, Winchester against Weymouth looked like one where we'd expect to see National League South team dropping away. Uh, so goals from Harry Kipriano, Brad Ash, who has been a bit of a, a lone bright point for Weymouth so far this season. And Akeem Rose did the business for Weymouth there. Um, Bath City, they'll face a really difficult looking replay away to Hartley Wintney. Um, the row uh, pulled uh, pulled uh, pulled it back from two 0 down away at Bath, where uh, Alex Fletcher and Cody Cook had got Bath off to a flyer with a two 0 lead. Um, and you know what a surprise it was those two who scored. Between them, they've got twelve goals already this season. That's fourteen in all competitions now. Um, but then uh, two goals pull it back from Anis Noor and Kingsley Eshin for Hartley Whitney. Uh, Chelmsford absolutely flying at the moment in the league. Uh, they've had a great start considering things are so bad off the pitch that their fans are asking away fans, if you are going to attend the games, please don't spend money in the club, support our boycott against our owners. Um, but they, they're they doing well. They're sitting uh, sitting uh, high in the league. They're up in the playoffs. 6-1 win against Kings Langley with Cal DaCosta, Simeon Jackson hat-trick and a double for Jamie Yeela, um doing the business for them. And then also a big win for Chessant. Uh, 3-1 at St Neots Town. That's Chessant's first first uh, non-loss since they beat Hampton on the opening day game uh, game of the season. And they we, went behind uh, as well, didn't they? At home to St Neots, uh, they, they 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 trailed approaching half time. They did, of course. Your local club, St Neots. Um, yeah. Another club who've improved in years as well, um, considering how badly they did. Was it three seasons ago where they picked up about seven points all year? Mm. Um, but yeah, Chessant three one winners in the end. Uh, with goals from Zach Newton, Brandon Adams, and Reese Beckles Richards. Um, one of those sort of all all same division ties. Ebbsfleet beat Dover 2 0. Uh, and the reason I might that is interesting is because Ebbsfleet are just so good. Um, eight wins out of eight in the league, 2 0 win against Dover in the in the cup. Uh, Dominic Polian scoring again, and Cedo John Batty getting the second. Uh, and then another team who'll go to a replay, Braintree will host uh, fellow Essex side, Haybridge Swifts. Uh, in midweek after goals from uh, Matt R- Rush for Braintree and Andy Fennell for Haybridge. Um, you know, I can canter through the other results if you want, just giving scores. Um, yeah, I know, um, Tom, you've got to get off and uh, bath uh, baby Joby. It's not, in fact, he's not even a baby anymore, is he? How old is he now? Very so much not, no. 17 yeah. months next week, he's he's a proper toddler. He's walking around, he's saying no to doing things. <laughs> um, <laughs> Shouting. I thought you were going to say no when I approached you. I don't suppose you're around about six o'clock on Sunday for the podcast. And he went, yeah, I might be actually, but uh, we have got to let him go uh, very shortly. Yeah, just wrap up those other games for us, Tom, involving the uh, National League South sides. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Oxford City progressed away at Salisbury. Dan Fitchett for Salisbury, Lewis Coyle and a debut goal for Ollie Sanderson with the winner for Oxford. Uh, he's in on loan from Fulham, quite a decent player there. So interesting how he gets on. Slough Town went down 3-1 at home to Worthing. Um, a double for Ollie Pierce doing the critical damage for Worthing there. They've started fantastically as well um, this season. Um, Borgner Regis nil, Hampton and Richmond Borough 2. Goals from... Um, oh, I can't remember. I was literally there. Uh, goals <laughs> from Addy Shakumbi and uh, a late own goal did the damage for Hampton and Richmond Borough. Uh, also of note was uh, young 16-year-old academy graduate Charlie George on the bench for Arsenal, uh, for Hampton and Richmond Borough. Freudian slip there. 
who uh, <laughs> did do well with the name of Martin Football. You uh, think about the other team there, Tom, weren't you? Yeah. <laughs> I mentioned to uh, Matteo Salomon, who's uh, coming on loan for Hampton from QPR, 17 years old, uh, making his debut at this level of football uh, and pulled out a man-of-the-match performance, some incredible saves, really proactive off his line, uh, just a, a really good day for him, uh, for the 17-year-old. Um, and Chippenham Town beat Scholling 3-0, goals from Jordan Young, Luke Russ and Harvey Greenslade. Dulwich beat Margate 2-1. They needed that, really, because they've had such a bad run of form uh, after what should have been a real like they they would have expecting bigger things this season and sitting twenty second, um, I think it wasn't a huge surprise they changed their manager after just such a long time. Gavin Rose left after thirteen years. They brought in Paul Barnes, who was last at Redhill in Step Five as interim coach, um, and they beat Margate two one with goals from George Porter and Danny Mills. And what a, what a, what an opportunity that is for whoever does get the permanent manager's position there. Tom, you've been to Champion Hill more than once. I've been there. It's, a, it's, it's an incredible setup, isn't it? And and for somebody coming in, that, that's got to be at that level of football, a club that you can come in and it's got obvious potential to go up. 100%, absolutely. You know, they, they, they're they averaging over 2,000 fans a game. You know, it's National League South and you're having to book tickets in advance because games are selling out. Uh, that's not And that's not a rare occurrence either. Um, they have spent money this summer. They've brought in some good players. There's a, there's a really good-looking squad there. It's just not working for them. And and the other thing that's really in Dulwich's favour is where they are as well, both from a fan base location. They've got a lot of young people who live, live around the Dulwich area now, um, but also the players that's available to them. That South London area is such a hotbed for football. Uh, you see it at the top levels, you know, the, the amount of players who come through from South London and go up to play for England. Um, and, and the same is true at the non-league level as well. There's such a rich pool of talent that they can draw from. Um, and they've got, you know, they've got the draw factors too. They've got the playing in front of a massive crowd in a historic ground. It's, you know, it's just, there's so much going for the club. And and as you say, whoever comes in there, I, I imagine it's going to be a hotly, hotly contested position to get the new manager's job there. Um Carrying on through the results, so Eastbourne beat Uxbridge 2-0, goals from Chris Welpdale and Cedar Mbonkwe. Uh, Farnborough won, Hazen Yedding United won, so that'll be a replay. That was an all-Southern League tie last season, but Farnborough, of course, got promoted. Reggie Young for Farnborough and Taylor Miles for Hazen Yedding. Havent uh, beat AFC Totten 1-0 in quite a local derby there. Mo Fowle with the goal for Havent. And then finally, uh, last but not least, Hemel 3, Royston 0, uh, with Ogo Obi, Jordan Greenidge, and Ilunga with the goals for Hemel. Fantastic roundup there. And I just thought I'd look up the age of Chris Welpdale because he, I reckon he's the individual player below the National League that we've mentioned the most times since we've been doing this podcast. He just keeps on going and keeps on scoring. He is, in fact, and sorry about this, Chris, you're only 35, so probably got a few more years left in him. Um, but uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining us. Give our regards to Harriet and to Joby, and uh, uh, I hope it's not too long before Joby makes his debut on the podcast. <laughs> he will be, but uh, all he'll be saying is "car" and "no." But, uh... <laughs> right now, we're going to look at the uh, FA Cup second round ties involving uh, the Northern clubs. You've covered off the uh, the shocks already. Uh, what's your next batch going to include, Dicky? I'm going to go down a, a similar route to Tom did in that um, I'm looking now at the, the teams that are facing replays. There are there are three National League North teams who uh, didn't get through against lower league sides yesterday and are going to have to go 
uh, to an extra game in midweek. Very surprisingly, one of those was Kings Lynn Town, the leaders of National League North. They were held 1-1 at home by Bedford Town. Michael Clunan was on the mark for Kings Lynn, the skipper, but they, they couldn't get past Bedford. Um, and that was a bit of a surprise and, and not the easiest of toys uh, away um, but Kingsland, I, I suppose, bearing in mind that, that you know the confident form that they're in, um, it was perhaps just a bit of a blip, and I would still expect them to go through. Um, surely they have to replay as well. They have a replay on um, at Victory Park home territory after a one-one draw with Liversedge in Yorkshire. Billy Whitehouse put Surely ahead, um, but then a Nicky Walker equaliser in the 90th minute, a free kick in off the post, gave Liversedge um, a, a draw on the day and earned them a, a second crack at Chorley in midweek. A, a proper War of the Roses will take place there. Um, Redditch 2, Peterborough Sports 2. Again, another slightly surprising result involving one of the, the, the new, more newly promoted sides to the north. Peterborough Sports were in control in this game as well. They were 2-0 up at half-time through goals from Lamine Sheriff and Mark Jones. But then they... Um, did sort of, uh, I wouldn't say capitulate, but yeah, Redditch roared back in the second half and ultimately it was an equaliser from Bernard Mensah, uh, a player we um, know well from this podcast who we've spoken about. Mm. He was formerly at Gloucester City. He's now at Redditch. He got their equaliser to give them a replay at Peterborough this week. So that was the team's facing replays. There is actually one tie which is going to take place for the first time on, I think it's Tuesday evening, it's, it's scheduled for, which is Stratford Town versus Banbury United. That game was scheduled for yesterday originally, but was moved on police advice. So it's actually the first game which takes place on Tuesday at Stratford. Um, and not the easiest of ties, you know, it is reasonably local derby I would have said and I think Stratford will be well up for that game so a bit of a testing one for Banbury there um there were a number of National League North sides who did progress quite comfortably as you would expect um yeah Kettering Town went through 4-1 at Barwell a Dickarry Sheriff Hattrick and Brad Gascoigne also on target for the poppies that seemed quite comfortable Bly Spartans beat Geisley 2-0. Geisley were in National League North side last season. Um, there's some dispute about the first goal. I think Michael Richardson was claiming the faintest of touches on a Lewis McNeil cross, but McNeil definitely scored the second goal, so Bly Spartans progress. Chester, they progressed 2-0 against Pontefract Collieries. They uh, uh, dug out a result with two goals from Kurt Willoughby. Um, there was a... <laughs> I see what you did there. Yeah, I, well, I had, it was actually a suggestion on Chester's Twitter feed yesterday yeah. for songs for their pre-match playlist. And as they were playing Pontefract Collieries, I did suggest a number of mining-themed ones. So I don't know whether they actually would have played any of them, but I hope so. <laughs> um, FC United against Kurznash, and this was a, 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 an intriguing game. Um, obviously, a, a greater Manchester derby, should we call it. But Kurznash are always in control of this one. They led 2-0 at half-time. Goals through Will Hayhurst and Tom Pierce, who we mentioned earlier. He'd moved on from Altrincham in the summer. Jordan Richards, he's a player who followed uh, manager Adam Lakeland from Farsley Celtic, the same way that Will Hayhurst did um, uh, when he moved across uh, or back to Lancashire. He made it 3-0. Regan Linney did help cut the deficit for FC United. They got another goal back as well, but they ultimately couldn't close the gap. Um, and then there was a 1-0 win for Hereford against Bromgrove Sporting with Ryan McLean scoring the winner for the Bulls there. 
Boston United, um, they're under new management with Ian Corbett in charge. They had a comfortable win at Litchfield City. Scott Pollock on target. Two goals for Jake Wright and then Will Atkinson. Bit of a seesaw tie um, at the Flamingoland Stadium. For Scarborough Athletic finally put Dunstan UTS from the Northern League away, but it did. Um, it was a bit of a, a battle. Brad Plant put the Sea Dogs ahead. Liam Thier and Will Jenkins then put Dunstan into the lead, but Plant equalised and then Michael Coulson scored the winner. And there was a 1-0 win in a Midlands derby. Kidderminster Harriers versus Tamworth. Caleb Richards with the winner for the Harriers in that game. Yeah, and uh, Kidderminster Harriers, of course, who had that fantastic run in the FA Cup last season uh, and were seconds away from knocking West Ham out. But uh, they go again. That's a great roundup. Thank you so much uh, for that, Dickie. Um, so midweek then, uh, no National League uh, fixtures that I can see scheduled. Of course, uh, a few uh, replays involving the National League North and South clubs. And uh, so we won't definitely won't be having a midweek podcast uh, this week, but uh, we will hopefully be back next weekend. Uh, Dickie, thank you very much for joining us, as always. You're very welcome. And that's it for this week's NL Full-Time Podcast. Don't forget to uh, like and subscribe um, to the podcast on all good podcasting platforms, and then it can be delivered straight to you whenever Luke completes his edit. And that's it. Over to you, Luke. Do your magic. Work your magic. Um, we wish, uh, we hope that uh, Luke's had a great day at the uh, uh, Lords uh, for the National Village Cricket Finals. He's been there. Joe Pope's been uh, bowling in Teenmouth. Uh, and, and, and as well as doing a bit of work today, I've managed to play in a men's doubles over 45's tennis semi final. So just so you know, listeners, we don't literally do NL full time all the time. Dickie, I bet you've been for a run or a workout or a bike ride or something today. I was, I was going to say, I've been for a run. Does that count? It wasn't entirely competitive. It was just me against myself. But I'm, I am my own biggest opponent. So, yeah, I'll count that. I'll count the fact that I went as a victory. It was a straight race, I bet, with Katie, just to see who could get to the pies first, was it? <laughs> She'd have won. <laughs> Brilliant stuff. Thanks, Dickie. Thanks, Tom. Thanks earlier, of course, to Mark Molesley and to our uh, interviews, uh, the chats we had with uh, Dave Bradley and with Tyler Cordner as well. And Becky Ives, not forgetting Becky Ives, who will come and join us later on in the season on the podcast, especially when we get down to the business end of the season, because she's the uh, the reigning champion at predicting who's going to be in the playoffs. It's been fun hosting this week. Uh, hopefully, Luke will be back with you next weekend. Until then, have a good footballing week and goodbye from us. 